<laughs> yeah, give or take an hour. Give or take an hour and 25 minutes. And turning your Bibles to John chapter 14. This isn't going to be a long message, um, but hopefully an invitation. An invitation. Thanks for the water, whoever got this. Oh, it's been sitting here for a year? Oops, it's not mine. (laughs) John chapter 14. I just want to encourage you to uh, continue to pray for Warren when you think of him. I don't have an update yet because I forgot to text my wife, but he's in the hospital right now. Um, but just continue to pray for him. And we'll, um, when we get an update, I'll let Ellen know, and then she can, she'll shoot out an email so everybody will know. But just pray for him. Seem like stroke-type stroke symptoms. All right, John chapter 14. Pray up, Tasha. Sit down. <laughs> oh no, we're not going to mention the thunder. Don't get me started. I'm not going to say anything about 2:30 this afternoon. Not going to even go there. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, again, we just want to say thank you for your goodness. We can't say thank you enough, Father, but we're not going to stop trying. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, how you lavish your love and your goodness on us. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just, just, um, just stir our hearts up today, challenge us, motivate us to move aggressively towards you and with you into more of what you have for us. And Lord, I just thank you for allowing us to hear that, that testimony about the man who was in the, in the sick ward with cancer. And he was healed and everyone in that ward was healed. We thank you for hearing your wonderfulness and hearing wonderful testimonies like that. That encourages us that we don't have to continue to put up with what our circumstances are. But we can grab a hold of what you made available for us. And I pray, Father, that we become... Greedy Christians, when it concerns and pertains to the provision that you've made for us, not to keep just for ourselves, but to share and lavish on people. So make us hungry for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Excuse me. John chapter 14, verse 12. And it's in the red letter edition, so that means Jesus said it in the red letters. And he says, most assuredly, or one translation, I think it's King James, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, he or anyone who believes in me, the works or miracles that I do, he will do also. And greater works or miracles than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
you hear that? Anyone who believes in me, Jesus says, truly, truly, or assuredly, I say. So he's starting off the statement saying, look, what I'm about to tell you, you need to pay attention. I'm not kidding around. I really mean this. It's kind of my paraphrase. He who believes in me or anyone who believes in me. Raise your hand if you're an anyone. Okay, good. So we all qualify. We're an anyone. Anyone who believes in me, put your faith in, your trust in Jesus. The miracles that he did shall you do also. The miracles that he did shall you and I do also. Now remember he's talking to, now we know he's talking to the 12 and, and whoever else is around. He probably, he always had a crowd. Um, so he had people and whether he was talking to just the 12 or whether he was talking to the 12 plus a bunch of people. But he says anyone who believes in me. And we also see in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. These signs shall follow those that believe. And in that whole context, the Great Commission, we call it, in Matthew 28, when he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and all those things, baptizing those that believe. And, and so he's talking about preach the gospel, the good news, to everyone you come in contact with, all these people. And these signs will follow those that believe the message. And at the end, he says, they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And my question I have for you is when Jesus was saying those things, was he saying those things metaphorically? Was he just saying something just to tickle the ears? Or did he really mean what he said? How many of you believe Jesus meant what he said? So he says to you. Because you're in anyone to you, to you. If you believe in him, then the miracles that he did shall you do also. A lot of times we hear this statement. We've I'm sure most, if not all of us, have heard these passages, this passage before. And a lot of times we can read that and then we kind of assume, okay, anyone who believes in me, I hear that. And it's got to be somebody else. It's like we apply it to others. We apply it. Some of us may think that, well, you have to be. A fivefold minister. You have to be a missionary. You have to be a, a, a graduate from a seminary. That's who Jesus was talking to. That's what we think. Were these disciples educated? Were they educated? Not really. They weren't educated men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just average old guys with big mouths and <laughs> probably bad breath, you know. Just regular guys. Not heads, you know, arguing over who's the greatest in the kingdom and fighting and getting mad at each other. And Peter opening his mouth and saying stuff and regretting it. And I mean, just average guys that Jesus used to turn the world upside down, the Bible says. So they believed it. They believed what he said. I mean, it took them some time. You know, they had some bumps and everything. But they went out. Jesus began to train them. They began to go out and do and practice, so to speak. Lay hands on the sick and they began to see people get healed and demons cast out of people. And they were all excited. And Jesus was excited. And then it all ended when Jesus died and their world came crashing down. But then when Jesus was resurrected three days later. And then the same Peter who was denying Jesus in front of just girls, servant girls, was the same Peter who was out preaching the gospel in front of thousands of people. And many of them being the same people, some of the same crowd that was responsible for crucifying Jesus. Something changed. 
And then we see this man and these men going around laying hands on people and, and miraculous, powerful things happening through their hands. So the point is, Jesus wasn't just, and it wasn't just the, um, the original 12. When you look through church history, you see all kinds of people who believe the message doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. This passage right here is my passage. I own it. It's mine. But I'll let you borrow it every once in a while. But what I mean by that, it's one of those passages, and I'm sure we all or most of us can say I have a passage or a favorite scripture that you read it, you come across it, and it just hits you. And it just, it just becomes part of you. It gets absorbed into your DNA. And this is one of those. I remember reading this years ago. And I was like, really? Because for the, when I read it, I read it and I applied it to me. I saw that Jesus was talking to me. He said, CJ, if you really believe in me, you can do what I did. So I began to read and look and see what he did. What are, kinds of, what are the miracles that Jesus did? Name some. Those and the fishes came, multiplied the food, fed a bunch of people off one little lunch. What else? He raised the dead. What else? Walked on water. Turned the water into wine. What else? Huh? Healed blind men, people. What else? Cast out demons. What else? You say something? Cleanse lepers. Save souls. Raise people from the dead. I kind of like that one. Still working on that one. <laughs> So we see all these kinds of things, but there's one that you, no one has said yet. Huh? Okay, forgives. That's not it. Made the lame walk. Rose from the dead. We've got that one a number of times. Huh? Gave his love to all. Okay. What'd you say? He forgives. He obeyed his father. What would you say? He prayed. Okay, good. So nobody's thinking about this one that I'm thinking about. That's right. He did that. But I'm talking about a specific miracle like, like he raised the dead, he cast out demons. You know, in other words, amazing things that he did. Like, boom, he did this. Resurrections. Come and just go ahead and tell you. Next week. i just kidding. Do we have time? Okay, we got time. But here's when I came across this scripture and it just hit me. And, you know, first of all, maybe I get criticized for talking about healing too much. Too bad. Okay. Next of all, when I, uh, I thought I was, I do talk about healing a lot. Or I used to. And I thought that that was like, maybe, maybe it's just a fad I was going through. Maybe that was something that just a few years ago I got a hold of an Andrew Womack CD or, or a T.L. Osborne or something, and I just joined this fad thing and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I found some old journals that I had. I used to journal a lot. Don't anymore. I should. I need to. I want to. But I used to journal a lot. And I was cleaning out my stuff, and I found some old journals, uh, some dated back to 92 and some back one I found for 1989. And I was flipping through that. And all I talked about in those journals was healing. And so I got saved in 1986. 
so that helped me to realize that this healing thing wasn't just a fad. That it was something that I believe the Holy Spirit put in my DNA, and that's, that's, it's part of me. It's part of me. And so when I came across this scripture right here, if you believe in me, the miracles that I did shall you do also. And I was like, are you kidding me? What? Read that again. I was like, oh, my goodness. And it just, are you, have you had that experience of scripture just does something to you and you can't explain it, just freaking you out and everything? That's what this did. And see, I'm a very practical type person. So I'm like, God, if this is true, then I'm going to try it. I'm going to try this out. And so I begin to think about <clears throat> what Jesus, like, what did he do? He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons and all those. And, but there was one miracle that caught my attention. That, you know how any of you who have dogs, you know, you, you say something to your dog and they kind of, kind of tilt their head like that. You know, do that. It was one of those miracles that kind of tilted my head. I thought it was pretty interesting. Because it, kind of, it kind of messes with people's theology. But you remember when Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side? And they got in a boat. And these professional fishermen, some of them were professional fishermen. A little on later, they're screaming and freaking out, crying, oh, we're going to die. Because a storm had come up and was whipping on the boat and everything. And, and they were freaking out because the waves and all that kind of stuff. And it was a dangerous storm. They probably were going to die, you know, as far as what they thought. And what was interesting about that situation, you know, Jesus didn't say, well, guys, I mean, you know, God's in control of the weather, so we just got to ride this one out. Did you say that in your Bible? What do you tell the storm to do? Shut up. He said, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Paraphrase. He got up and said, hush, be still. Stop. Shut up. Talking to the storm, talking to the weather. Now, if God's in control of the weather and Jesus is telling the storm to shut up, isn't there a conflict there? And the reason why I say that is because I've, I've, you know, in conversations with people, especially living here in Oklahoma. Anybody live in Oklahoma? Never mind. Living here in Oklahoma, we, we, we know about weather, right? We're weather professionals. We know about weather. And we have tornadoes that do this and do that. And, and people say, well, you know, and you talk about praying for the storm, praying for the weather. And, well, you never know what God's going to, you know, God, this and God, that. And, and people put things on God. Now, God's responsible for some things, but let's not blame him for everything. Unless he deserves to be blamed for it. <laughs> but the weather and the reason why this caught my attention, it just and I believe is the Holy Spirit encounter. Because when I saw that, that story Plus, when I saw that story, plus this verse right here, the miracles that Jesus did shall you do also. Put them together. One plus one equals two. I learned that. And I remember that. One plus one equals two. Jesus told the storms to be quiet. He says, if you believe in me, you can do what I did. One plus one equals two. Hmm. I'm going to try that. Now, I didn't tell everybody this. I told a few people. But I just began to experiment. And I begin to realize that, you know, we have authority to do things, but it's not to brag or to be big or prideful or to show off or anything like that, but it's to save lives. It's to help people. It's to benefit them. It's to love them. 
And that's what Jesus did. If you see his life, that's what he's all about. Just in love with people. And I remember beginning to think about that and pray about it and all that kind of stuff. And then I remember, <clears throat> I don't know if Joseph, you were old enough to remember this. Uh, I think we only had four kids at the time. Three, four, I can't remember. I lose track. Lisa would know. <laughs> she knows how many kids we have at every single time. And all. Anyway, we were in Oklahoma City. And uh, we just a family getaway, staying in a hotel overnight. And they had an indoor swimming pool. And so we were all changing clothes and getting ready to go down to the swimming pool. And all of a sudden we hear this, you know, like, what is that noise? Because it was very faint. And you're like, what is that sound? I said, shh, and turn the TV off. I said, what is that? The sirens, tornado sirens were blaring. It's like, what is going on? We were totally oblivious to the weather, totally oblivious to the storm. And you know how fast storms can come up in Oklahoma. Well, uh, we turn on the TV, Channel 5. It was uh, Rick. What's his name? Rick. Huh? Rick who? Rick Mitchell. It was that guy. And, he, and then sure enough, he had the big thing on TV and it showed all the big red, dark red and all this kind of stuff. And then those little swirlies, you know, where you see the tornadic activity right there. It had a bunch of little swirlies. And I saw that and it was like we were in Edmond. And I was like, ooh, there's some swirlies right there in Edmond. Like, Uh-oh. And I said, guys, remember what Jesus said. We can do the same thing Jesus did. I said, what did Jesus do? And I was quizzing them. They said, he, he rebuked the storms. I said, let's do what he did. Turn off the TV. We took authority over those tornadoes. We told them to dissipate, for the storm to break up. You will not cause any harm, destruction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in about five minutes, we turned the TV back on. Does this sound familiar, Joseph? Do you remember this? Okay, you were a little young. We turned the TV on. The swirlies were gone. And the, and the sirens went off. Now, a storm came through because we had the, the heavy rains and everything, lightning and heavy rains, but the tornadoes went away. And I thought, hmm, interesting. And then a little voice in the back of the head, coincidence. I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, over the years, whenever tornadoes begin to come up or you hear about all these storms and tornadoes, I begin to pray against them and do all this kind of thing. And then I begin to meet other people who were as crazy and whacked out as I was. I won't mention any names like Gary Clarkson. I won't say his name. I won't indict him. But I begin to talk to other people and realize that they, I mean, he was already moving. He was already operating in that mode that he believed we could take authority over, over dangerous storms and things like that. And I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. It's not just weather day. It's talking about the weather. But as I begin to learn and put this into practice and faith and, and just believe in God and, and, and the purpose was tornadoes bring destruction, tornadoes hurt people, tornadoes kill people. I believe we can do something about that. So begin to do that. Begin to see storms on the radar coming our way and begin to go outside and speak to them, declare that they were going to break up, dissipate, go away, and they would. Time after time after time after time after time. Dozens of times I've seen this happen to where the coincidence is gone. It's no more a coincidence. And you remember years ago when we had these, these bad ice storms that just wiped out, obliterated. I remember Perry just got demolished. All the, the clothes, not the clotheslines, the telephone lines on Highway 64 between Stillwater and Perry were just, just all just busted up. And Perry was without electricity for weeks, I think. 
when we saw that devastation, and I was thinking, you know what? We have authority over this stuff. This isn't going to happen in my area anymore. So I believe as a man of God that I have authority and dominion where I live and where I play, where I eat, that kind of thing. So I pray for Payne County. I pray for Stillwater, Glencoe area. And me and other people who believe the same way begin to pray over these things against these storms and begin to see these miraculous things happen over and over and over and over again. And I'd get excited, but then I'd get sad because these storms would go around us. They would break up. There was one ice storm coming towards us, coming right at Stillwater, and it broke up and went around us. I don't know if you guys remember this. And it just obliterated Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And we weren't even touched. So on one hand, I was rejoicing because me and mine were saved. But on the other hand, I was, I was really discouraged. Because hearing on the news and seeing the stories of all these people who were just without electricity and all that kind of thing. And I began to talk to the Father. I said, Lord, this, this is really neat what you're teaching me. Because I believe I have authority where I'm at. And I want you to understand, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. When I'm saying me, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us as believers. See, what gives me authority is not the fact that I'm a pastor of a church. Because see, all the stuff that I'm talking about was before I was a pastor of a church. I'm talking about as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have authority. Are you hearing me? We have authority. And it's not just some ethereal, ethereal however you say that word, some thing out there that doesn't do any good, but I'm talking about practically speaking. And I begin to cry out to God and say, God, I want more. How can I have more authority? I don't, how do I do that? Then a friend came and, and, and was talking to me because I was talking to her about this. She's a pastor. And I was just telling her my frustration. And she said, do you know, there are corporations, big corporations, that invite Christian intercessors to come in and matter of fact, some of them even have them on their paid staff to pray over their corporation, to pray over their company. And they give direction, you know, prophetic utterance and, and, and giving the CEO direction, that kind of thing. And they're flourishing. God's blessing them. She said, you know, CREC, who happens to be my company of, that provides electricity for me. How many of you guys have CREC? CREC is a, is a corporation, you know, provides electricity. And it is in seven counties. And so she said, so I'm thinking, hmm, seven counties. I know one county that I live in, seven counties. And she said, if you get invited by him to pray for his company, then off his authority, you can have influence in the seven counties. I said, hmm, interesting. So I sent the CEO a, uh, an email. And I said, hey, I'd met him before, so he knew who I was. And I said, I just want to let you know that, that we, there's a group of us praying for your company, for CREC. Because when these storms come through, it just, you know, wipes out the, the power. And then they have to send out, you know, people all over to, to restore the power and everything. It costs a lot of money, just a lot of, not even speaking about the, the people, the residents who are without electricity. You know how irritating that can be for a day. But if it's days and days and days. Well, anyway, so we begin to pray over his company. He said, well, I appreciate that. Like we got his permission. We begin to pray over his company, begin to pray over his customers. So when the storms begin to come, and even to this day, there's seven counties that we pray over because I believe we have authority over. And I was talking to this CEO the other day. I was in the meeting with him 
And, he, and we're talking about something else. And he said, by the way, CJ, thank you for you guys praying for the way you've been praying over our company. He said, we have seen the storms go around us. And then he said something else, and I sent him an email because I wanted to clarify. I said, now, you said this. Did you really mean this? I want to make sure I heard you right. So I'm not going to repeat it yet because I want to quote him correctly. I don't want to misquote him. But when he said what he did, it fired me up. I was so excited because they have the tangible evidence that something's changed. Something has changed. And he's correlating the time that we started praying for his company, and there's been a big change as far as the outages and that kind of thing. They've seen a direct, um, tangible evidence of that. So here's the point. It's not coincidence. But we can make a difference as men and women of God. And as I was mentioning earlier, Talking about God's presence, how God's presence makes us different from any other religion in the world. And because of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability, because he's in us, he's with us, we can take God's presence wherever we go. And whether it's at work, wherever you work, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's in the marketplace, (coughs) you can take him with you and minister and meet the needs of people that you come in contact with. And I remember I was thinking last night, I remember one, one of my favorite times, me and I can't remember which one of my boys was with me, I think it was Bryant, one of them, I get them all mixed up, they all look alike, so I get them confused. <laughs> but it was me and one of them, and uh, we were in Walmart in Tulsa, we were in Walmart, and we're looking for victims. And we saw a lady, elderly lady, riding one of those little carts, you know, popping willies. Well, she wasn't actually popping willies, but she had a um, she had the tubes coming out of her nose. She had the oxygen tank on, and that caught my attention. I hate those things. I hate those oxygen tanks. I hate them. I mean, I hate what they represent as far as the person needing. You understand what I'm saying? This poor lady needing that thing to breathe. And so we spotted our victim. We made our way up to her. I was talking to her. Hi, ma'am. How are you doing? I'm a Christian. This is my son. Blah, blah, blah. Um, can we pray for you? I believe God would like to touch you right now. She said, sure. We talked to her. Laid hands on her. I asked her, to, I asked her about her breathing. Asked her to take the, the tubes out of her nose. She did. We prayed for her. She took them out. I said, breathe. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Took a deep breath. I said, take another one. She took another deep breath. I kept telling her to do that. I said, could you do that? She goes, no, I can't do that. She kept doing that over and over. And this lady was sitting there getting high off oxygen. I mean, that's how it looked. I mean, she was just just breathing because she couldn't do that a moment ago. And the look on her face, the look on her face is what I live for. I say, God. This makes it worth it. That we as believers can encounter a person who's got a situation, a condition. The doctors are doing the best they can. They provide oxygen. Thank God for the oxygen tank so she can breathe. 
And me and one of these boys that I can't remember his name go and pray for her. And her situation has changed just like that. We get to do that. We don't have to pray for people. We don't have to be a good Christian. I know. Got to be a good Christian. I better pray for people. Talk about what we get to do. We get to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We get to cast demons out of people. How many of you cast a demon out of somebody? Don't raise your hand. Rhetorical question. Many of us may have never even encountered that situation, but if you encounter that situation, are you going to be ready? Because see, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when you encounter someone that's demonized, you have that greater authority and you can set that person free. I remember when Cornell, myself, um, Mike, Harper, and uh, one of my Bryant, I remember this time, and uh, there were six of us, and we were in, in Kenya, and we were praying for people, having a good time, getting worn out. That was hard work, wasn't it? <laughs> there was a lot of people praying for them. And I remember this man came to us, or this man was demonized, and he was in his 30s, 40s, I can't remember, maybe 30s, 40s, demonized, and he had been... Uh, Attacked and beaten by somebody when he was younger. And beaten and, let, you know, almost killed. And from that point on, that's when his father said he's been acting crazy. So obviously trauma or, or fear, whatever, got in this guy. And he was just, just acting strange. He was demonized. And when I, was, when I was called over there to pray for him, come over there, he was, you know, his body was doing all weird kind of stuff and everything. And <coughs> well, we prayed for him. And within a, a matter of moments, don't remember how much time it was. Seems like an eternity when you're encountering that situation. But within a matter of moments, the man was set free. And he didn't speak English. He spoke Swahili or whatever his tongue was. But he knew how to say thank you in English. You remember that? The man knew how to say thank you in English. Here's a man. Cir- circumstances, condition was one way. We encountered him. His condition changed. And here's what I'm going to say in closing. You know, I realize that I've been, I've been smacked upside the head a number of times. Lost some battles. You know, pray for people. Believe they're going to be healed and they didn't get healed. And what I realized is that I backed off. You know, where I used to be real aggressive, in your face type. I'm going after it. But the way I believe Jesus wanted me to too, and all of a sudden I backed off. Backed off. Not seeing people get healed. Back off, back off, back off. And then I began to move into theology. Oh yeah, I, I believe in the doctrine of healing. But not really practicing it. And what can happen, we as a charismatic church, do you realize that we are a charismatic church? Do you realize that? Sometimes I think we forget that. Our identity, our identity is a spirit-filled charismatic church. That means we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That means we talk in tongues. Oops. Oops. Some of us louder than others. Maybe not as loud as me. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. But what can happen is we can, we can back off and be minimized to we're a church that believes and agrees with that, but we're not doing anything about it. 
And, you know, when I shared with you a few weeks ago, I was talking about that book, um, Resurrection Factor, and talking about apologetics and how we can love God with our mind and everything. You remember that I was sharing about that? Well, that's a, that's a part of me. <clears throat> and that book means a lot to me, and it really helped me in my life. But that's, a, that's not as big a part as the power of God and the miracles of God. That's more of who I am. I was talking to a brother earlier, and we were talking about people that we encounter, people that we care about and love who are in other religions. And then we want them to be persuaded to come and give their lives to Jesus. It's like they're raised up in religion all their lives, and you know, their whole culture is their religion or, or whatever, and we want them to believe in Jesus all of a sudden. We're going to do talk them into it? There might be some effectiveness and if they have consider if they have real questions and you can answer those questions effectively, that's okay. But what if you say, hold on a second, you notice they have a broken arm or broken leg or something. You say, Can I pray for you? In the name of Jesus. Behold. And they get healed. Which argument's going to be more effective? The intellectual argument or the power of God just they just experienced? So here's my invitation to you. I'm over time, out of time. I'm going to stop eventually. And I shared that one book with you called Resurrection Factor, and that's an important book in my life. But here's one I'd have to say is more important. Now, I'm not elevating this over the Bible. Please don't get me wrong. Those of you who know me know better than that. But this, I believe it's important to read things and to hear testimonies of what God is doing and be encouraged because our circumstances hit us and smack us in daily life. And if you listen to the news, if you're in the habit of listening to the news, I need to pray for you, first of all, because you're going to be a depressed individual. But the worldly news, Channel 5, it's just depressing because the news lives on the fear and the negative, fearful things and negative. And it's like, oh, my goodness, it's hopeless. And it can affect your faith and you begin to, your faith begins to wane and diminish. And so we need to surround ourselves with testimonies and hear things that's encouraging us and reminding us of what's available to us as believers. That remind us that John chapter 14 verse 12 is true. It's not just a saying of Jesus, but it is actually true. And years ago, I was on the internet and I was uh, looking, I was on Amazon.com. I don't know what took me to that, but I was looking at, I saw this book right here. It's called When Heaven Invades Earth. And I was reading about it and everything. I was like, <gasps> I was about to hyperventilate. You know when you want something real bad? I mean, this ranks up there to the mini bikes and the mopeds back in the day. This, it's like, <gasps> got to have it. But I couldn't ask my mom to get it for me this time. But anyway, I saw this book. I was like, oh my goodness, I'd love to have that. I didn't have the, the money right at the time to get it. That was on a Wednesday. That Sunday... A friend came, a lady came, she was visiting the church, she lived in Tulsa. She came and had a little gift bag. She said, here, CJ, the Holy Spirit told me to give this to you. It was a bag. I was like, oh, really? Cool. I was hoping it was brownies or something like that, you know. She really heard from God if it was brownies. But I opened the bag, and out popped this book. Nobody knew that I wanted I didn't even tell Lisa I wanted this book. It was like, oh, my goodness, I'd love to have that book. Holy Spirit said, okay, got you covered. Told his daughter. She came and brought it to me. This book right here is called When Heaven Invades Earth. This is more about what, what I'm about right here. When I saw this book, the reason why it hit me, because the things that, have got, that God has put in me, in my heart, 
This man's already doing it. His name is Bill Johnson. He's already doing it. His church is about miracles. And, and, and what excites me, it's not him doing it, but it's the people of God doing it. That's what gets me excited. I've ordered 10 of these. They'll be here next Sunday. So if you want them, you can buy them. We'll sell them at cost. And or you, can, you don't have to wait till next Sunday. Go on Amazon.com and buy them. You can get the used ones for a lot less cheaper. A lot less cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> a lot less cheaper. You know what I mean by that. But here's what I want to encourage you with. And I want to ask you to go and stand up. That means I really have to stop because I can't have you stand there for 20 minutes. You start throwing stuff at me. But here's what I want to invite you as my brothers and sisters. The Lord's really been dealing with my heart and, and, and challenging me and encouraging me. It hasn't been a beat me down, but just saying, come on, come on, son. Come on, let's go. And I just want to extend that same invitation to you. There is so much that Jesus has made available to us as believers. So much. But because of whatever we've, been encounter, we've encountered in our lives, we've backed down. We've been intimidated to pray for people because the last time I prayed, nothing happened. So if I pray this time, nothing may happen. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to embarrass God. So I'll just leave it alone. Or we'll say, I'll be praying for you, sister. You know, at a distance, I'll be praying for you. That, you know what I'm talking about? The courtesy thing doesn't do anybody any good. For the most part, let's just be honest. Most of the time, we don't even pray for them. I'll be praying for you, sister. You know, a week later, thanks for praying for me. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Anybody ever done that before? Don't raise your hand. But I just want to invite us as a family. Let's go after God and what he has available for us. And, you know, we don't have to beg him for it. Basically, what I'm saying is let's learn how to get a hold of what he's already made available. And he's not holding it back. He's not. He's not saying tricked you. You know, he's not doing that. Faith is a key. Faith is a key. And we need to learn again. Let's pray. Father, I pray and ask that you would help us to undo the, the, the bad thinking, the fear, the intimidation, the stuff that we've allowed to accumulate in our hearts and our souls the doubt and unbelief that has become a part of us now Lord we ask and we give you permission to deal with that because Lord your word says that without faith it is impossible to please you and Lord we want to be people of faith and believe what you say and act out upon it Father, forgive me for allowing the fear of man or the circumstances of life to dictate my direction. Father, by your grace, I choose to allow the word of God and, and your Holy Spirit to dictate and lead me, not fear, not circumstances. Lord, show us how we backed off. Show us the area. Show us the stronghold. Show us the things, the incidents that have happened that have caused us to sit down when we should be standing up. That have caused us to start walking when we should be running. Because, Lord, there are too many people out there that you love and that you want to know Jesus. And you've called us to do it.
but we're not doing it because we're afraid or we're discouraged or we're defeated. Help us to realize, Father, we don't have to get to a certain place to be qualified. But if we just stand up and allow you to brush us off and we move forward. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for who you are. I pray, Holy Spirit, for your conviction that would encourage us and enable us to move forward in John chapter 14, verse 12. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to ask uh, Amber and Gina to come up. And Ken, ask you to come up. And Todd, if you want prayer for anything, you have need, I want to invite you to come on up and let us pray for you. There's no pressure. We just want to make ourselves available for you to minister the love of God to you. You guys have a wonderful week. I want to encourage you about this book right here. Heaven Invades Earth. Heaven Invades Earth. Um, And just be blessed. Have a wonderful week.